Welcome to the ILO Employment Podcast Series, Global Challenges, Global Solutions, the Future of Work. I'm your host, Tom Netter, and today we're going to talk about the role of research and dialogue in the quest for social justice. The advancement of social justice is an idea that's getting new attention these days. We're hearing more and more about it, and that the need for social justice in our lives is becoming more relevant than ever. One of the main areas where social justice is growing is an idea and a reality that people want is in the working world. That means a lot of us. Nearly half of the world's population does some kind of work. And as the world population grows by about 100,000 persons a day and economies expand, there will be more and more people looking for jobs and more and more jobs looking for people to fill them. In this challenging environment, what role can research and dialogue play in advancing social justice in the world of work? To find out, we've invited two of the top experts in this field to today's podcast. They are Sangjian Lee, Director of the ILO's Employment Policy, Job Creation and Livelihoods Department, and Mikel Landabasso, Director, Fair and Sustainable Economy of the Joint Research Center of the European Commission. Sangjian, Mikel, welcome to our podcast. My first question uh, is to both of you. What role does employment policy play in advancing equality and social justice? Sanjong? So Thanks, Tom. As you know, the uh, equality and social justice have multiple dimensions, but access to decent job opportunity is obviously one of them because work influence is an essential part of life and society. So quite often, employment or jobs is where actually people experience inequality and social injustice uh, that's why employment policies are very important and also natural candidate for any social actions to advance equality and social justice. So when we talk about the employment policies, we talk about a set of the policies that have an impact on labor market. This includes not only very classical labor market and skill policies, and but also sectoral policies and macro policies and investment policies enterprise policies and social protection policies, etc. In doing so, a great attention should be given to the different situation and needs of people, especially disadvantaged groups. That's why the ILO strongly advocate gender-responsive employment policies, and also the ILO programs place strong focus on youth employment. And most importantly, we need to involve the workers and employers in the design and implementation of employment policies. Our analysis has clearly shown again and again that the social dialogue improves the design as well as the implementation of integrated employment policy framework. Having everyone's voice in policymaking is a crucial step to social justice and the equalities. Thank you. Thank you, Sangjong. Now over to you, Mikhail. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Tom, for these opportunities. It's a pleasure to be here with Sangjong and you. Let me rebound on some of the things that maybe Sangjong uh, suggested. No? The logic to respond to your question, probably the argument goes, you know, employment policies in coordination, in, in good complementarity with other types of policies are essential for delivering decent jobs. And decent jobs are precisely the most effective way to provide justice, equality in the market economy that we know. And I think philosophy here in a way plays a role, no? 
Because when we are talking about decent jobs, we are talking about what? We are talking about dignity. We are talking about meaning in life, sense of purpose. We are also talking about, and I think Sanjong mentioned this, you know, status, respect in a community. And this is something that it is intangible, but essential for anybody. There are other more tangible or more economic things that these uh, employment policies can touch upon along these lines. Skills, networks for professional advancement and social mobility. Social mobility is done largely by accessing the labor market to good job, good, decent jobs where you can learn and move forward. No? Then also you can mention that It empowers citizens to exercise, the bottom line is they exercise the freedom of choice by the job they have, largely. And in particular, when you think that most of the income of households, of families in countries like mine and, and in the global south in particular comes from small and medium-sized companies where most of the income comes from the salary. And this is why, you know, employment policies that determine consumption power, that determine living standards, location, social relations, where you live, and, and who you meet. And all these things is really, you know, factors that, that explain how decent jobs condition in a very large uh, way your life in the sense of social justice and equality. And this is why We have Article 43 in the United Nations, not the right to work. Okay, Mikhail, thank you so much for that reply. Now, it leads me to ask, um, what would be the elements of future cooperation between the ILO and the, the, the JRC? As a follow-up to the joint symposium that both of your organizations held uh, recently, and how will this build on already existing research and analysis by the ILO and the JRC? Uh, Mikhail, can you start on that? Yeah, well, the first thing to say is the symposium was the, let's say, the exit strategy to three years of good cooperation. And this is uh, intense interpersonal cooperation, uh, trying to analyze and anticipate, you know, how digital transition, digital technologies, automation are reshaping the, the work. Uh, the labor market in Europe, the, the jobs that we know today, and things like algorithmic management, automation, occupational change, labor market transitions, which were really the chapters of this symposium, are the founding pillars of the cooperation ahead of us as two institutions that have learned to know each other, have learned to appreciate each other, and see the complementarities between our lines of research and want to push forward together. And this means that we are drafting a cooperation agreement. We are waiting for San John and, and his team to come to Seville to, give a, to have a deep dive with our two teams and then go deeper into what we started, I think, successfully. And the proof was the symposium and the discussions around it. Thank you, Miguel. And now, Sanjian, uh, what's your take here on this question? I think Miguel already said uh, how successful uh, our joint tech project has been. 
I'm personally very, very happy with the, the process of the joint project and also the outcome. Um, the one of the things actually I want to highlight here is that this project really undertake the innovative research conceptually and empirically. And but actually we the project actually didn't stop there. Because one of the very unique approach of the our joint project is to use this research findings to foster dialogue with the policymakers and also social partners. So the research done is not a goal itself, but influence actually policy decision. So we really had a fantastic dialogues at the national and regional and global level as part of this joint project. And the symposium we had was actually one of those dialogues. So we got the very positive feedback throughout the event. And this dialogue is really appreciated and also more importantly, influence actually policy and political thinking. So that's why, I mean, we are really, really grateful for the European Union for funding uh, this project. And also, the, as Mikhail said, we very much hope we will continue to work on that. I think one of the issues we are looking at as the, our next uh, research project is uh, looking at issues like the macro and investment policies, which will really uh, complement what we have done on the labor market transition and digital uh, changes and also the impacts on the enterprises and workers as well. Sandra, thanks so much for that. Um, I'm assuming that this can help introduce some perspectives and equip policymakers and institutions and others with the tools to forge sound and effective policies. Is that correct, Sanjo? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is exactly what we have in mind, and uh, I'm be, I'm be very brief on this. Let me just give one example. You know, I have already mentioned the excellent joint work with the JRC. Uh, which actually created extensive empirical data and analysis on the workers and enterprises. And some confirm basically what we have already known or what we have suspected, but there are many others which are rather unexpected or even surprising. So for instance, how actually people have navigated or experienced different jobs is more complex than actually we have thought. So this means the current policy measures may not be suboptimal at the moment. So then we actually put all these findings on tables and for the policy dialogue. And once the relevance and significance of these findings are confirmed, then we naturally move to find good ways of the supporting policy development. For that, of course, we need a solid user-friendly tools for designing and implementing the policies, of course, with sufficient room for the allowing country or situation-specific adaptation. Sanjan, thanks. Mikhail, uh, do you have any, uh, or what are your views on, on this area? I, I think, um, you know, we are a, an institution that is focusing on science for policy. So we, we start from a demand, a need, a question, and then we try to use science to, to resolve it or to help see clearer. And in that sense, you know, this symposium, this collaboration is establishing the ground uh, work for anticipating what is coming. And policies have these inertias in them, policymakers, political masters, 
are not very uh, well trained or accustomed to looking to the future and anticipate. This is a risky business. Now, when we say we are going to join forces with the best of our brains and talent, and we do have it, on trying to identify what it means for jobs, decent jobs, algorithms or algorithm uh, management, artificial intelligence or whatever, automation, a digital transition, whatever you want to call it. What we are saying is we are trying to respond to the question, is this going to transform employment in a positive sense? Is it going to increase jo uh, job satisfaction or rather more control? Is it going to increase gender balance, social justice, or is it going to be about job polarization? So responding to these questions will enable and will empower policymakers to do good policies. And I think St. John was hinting at this also in his first uh, answer. He said, now we will uh, delve on, on macroeconomic and investment policies. We, this is absolutely essential. No? It's a framework within which you know, employment policies and jobs are being created, and we need to look into that. But we need to look also at the institutional landscape. And there are three issues there. One is the type of regulations that can capture the, and, 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 and treat and frame the, the complexity that is coming to us in this anticipation of the future with a digital transition. No? And this means regulations in terms of competition policy, types of, of wage bargaining, um, and all the laws that need to be consensuated and decided the politicians in anticipation of things that are happening now and very fast. But secondly, policymakers should realize that this complexity needs a whole of government approach, needs also a multi-level governance approach, needs several policies to work together and these several policies, they can be captured under the broad name, if you want, of innovation policies. Some people call it industrial policy, skills, well beyond narrowly defined employment policies. So it's all of them together. And all of them together also taking good care of what we call place-based conditions. Context, territory, matter. And we reason in terms of what we call ecosystems. And all these elements have to be put together. And we need to make sense of them in order to respond to the questions that the policymakers will be confronted with. This is our role, you know, to clarify and help in this business. Over to you, Tom. Thanks very much, Mikhail, uh, for that uh, great answer. I think you've uh, basically answered a couple of my uh, my questions already. So uh, what I'd like to do now is uh, uh, go over to Sanjan and say, can you uh, give us your views regarding trends that are going to be examined, uh, like the influence of artificial intelligence on jobs and employment, the impact of a more tech-driven work environment, and also um, about the importance of the relationship between employment policies and strong institutions and how exactly this can result in solutions relevant to the rapidly changing landscape of the world of work. Sanjan? Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, as a part of the, our collaboration with the JRC, 
we really want to continue to tackle basically frontier issues to make sure our research findings can facilitate the policy dialogue and policy uh, development on the emerging and evolving issues, uh, which definitely include, I mean, as the Mikhail mentioned, like um, impact of the AI on employment and also environmental and climate changes. Um, there are so many other issues in, in that direction. And the one thing I want to mention here is that the oftentimes the research tends to focus on the just aggregate jump numbers when it comes to impact of these uh, technological changes on the labor market. But in our view, it's, it's very, very important to look at the job quality and the distribution of your jobs. This is because we have seen the digitalization, for example, has not necessarily reduced aggregate employment level, but in many cases, that actually led to the job polarization between good and the bad job. And also, we witnessed that some of the disadvantaged groups had not actually benefited from the new job opportunities. Uh, in this respect, as, as I said before, and gender and youth and age and others are very important elements we have to consider. So for us, investigating employment impact means we have to look at the quantity and quality and also distribution of employment. So we also want to look at the employment issues from a bit broader and forward-looking perspective, as the Mikael already highlighted. Uh, for instance, we really want to know how we can direct this current wave of digitalization and green transitions to inclusive structural transformation. Because at the end of the day, this process of the structural transformation will create a sustainable path of the creating decent job. Of course, this backs uh, very important questions relating to macroeconomic and sectoral and investment policies. Once again, we can mention that as well. I think the, in doing all of this, as uh, Tom, you asked about this as well, about the role of the strong institutions. I mean, this for us is a very crucial question. Uh, perhaps in the 100 years of the experience, uh, the ILO firmly believes that the securing a decent work for all requires strong labor market institutions. I mean, institutions create minimum level of protection for all, but whatever the situation is, and also in doing so, institutions create a stability and security uh, to the labor market, which actually both workers and also the enterprise and employers appreciate. Uh, then much of the income security and employment security, as we know, comes from these institutions. At the same time, uh, this is also very important, institutions help facilitating uh, creating decent jobs. Uh, for instance, institution helps when the workers who have acquired the skills through intensive training program have difficulties with finding jobs. So employment services and other supporting institutions can come in to bring these workers to the companies who need them. So in short, institutions help job matching and reducing unemployment. So as you can imagine, uh, these aspects of institutions are even more critical when at the World Work Conference disruptive the changes as the Mikhail actually uh, detailed in his remark. And also there are more workers and enterprises in transition. So the role of the institutions are 
important more than ever. And that's why we need uh, effective, strong, and labor market institutions as a, a indispensable part of the employment policies. I think they are a bit like uh, the blood vessels, which circulate blood to where the body needs it. And we know the healthy blood vessel carries the blood to all parts of the body. There is no discrimination, there is no exclusion. So likewise, if we want to make our labor market institution strong and effective, that should be inclusive. Thank you. Mikhail Sanjong, thank you very much for uh, sharing your thoughts on this issue with us and also for giving us your time. As we have heard, researching ways to advancing social justice is a tall order. It seems that this move by the JRC and the ILO is a step in the right direction. The goal will be to fill policy gaps and better communicate the findings to policymakers and other stakeholders involved in the pursuit of social justice. What is clear is that there's no one-size-fits-all solution. But what's equally clear is that the pursuit of social justice in the world of work will affect us all. I'm Tom Netter, and you've been listening to the ILO Employment Policy Department podcast series, Global Challenges, Global Solutions, The Future of Work. For more on this, go to www.ilo.org employment. Meanwhile, thank you for your time.